0: Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in High Fidelity. Challenging, thought-provoking, insightful. This is God in Country, the collision of faith and politics, hosted by nationally known speaker, Reverend Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Not your typical Rev. Dr. Sean is a proud military veteran. Former law enforcement officer and founder of the internationally regarded Executive Protection Team. Through counseling, elite life coaching, and national speaking, this Ninja Pastor tells it like it is. This series is biblically and politically engaged with the pedal to the metal. With today's edition of God in Country, here is host and author of the acclaimed yet controversial book Excellence Killed the Church: How Mediocrity Is Destroying America. Dr. Sean Michael Greener. <coughs>
1: yeah, well, there we have it. Thank you, Mr. Barker. Awesome to have you joining us today. Um Today's a different day. Those of you who watched or yeah watched and listened to the uh, Facebook live, by the way, the um, the, the uh, chat room is open. Welcome chatters. It's a cool, <coughs> excuse me, a cool thing uh, to to have that chat and that instant feedback from people and to be able to dialogue uh, during the show. That is really really cool. Hey, listen, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you something right up front. Those of you who listen to the Facebook live or watch the Facebook live. Um, you are, uh, then you're aware. This is going to be a a very different show today. And as such, um, if you're sensitive, uh, you know, this this might be a tough one for you. Uh, This is really kind of going out to Christians and Jews and people of faith. All around, and, and and we have an international audience. Oddly enough, we were up over eight hundred and sixty-six thousand. I think they said. I get emails on it, and uh yeah, eight sixty-six. So eight hundred sixty-six thousand for last week, and so uh, we're we're proud to have each and every one of you listen. But some some of the folks are from uh, overseas, and we have uh, Navy SEALs listen. We have some. Uh, some green berets. We certainly have an awesome ranger officer listening, great hero to our country. Uh, we're we're honored to have all of you listening, and also to the gold star families. We so appreciate you. We just cannot tell you how much we appreciate you. Um, it's uh, it's an honor to have you listen, and and uh, we uh, w- there's no way we can thank you appropriately. <clears throat> really, really, it's. Uh, I get choked up every time I think about it, say the truth. There's no way we can adequate, adequately thank you. It's, it's sad. It's sad that, that you, you have to go through what you have to go through every single, every, every single day, my goodness, you just, you just don't even get a break from the, from the sorrow and the grieving. And, and, uh, but I hope that in some, uh, some small way, maybe, you can you can just know how much we we love you and we care for you and we're just uh we're honored honored to have you listen it means the world to us so <clears throat> today yeah hashtag face for radio nation yeah yeah i have a face for radio some of you will get that uh face for radio what that means means i ugly so today uh the title of the show is useless christians and the price of losing and I'm going to tell you the truth. Um, it's really one of those things. And, and hopefully the folks in chat, am I loud enough? We've, we've experimented with some of the sound settings. And uh, we, we really want to. So folks with chat and an instant message, if you could let me know how that sounds, that would be great, because we've, we've been experimenting a little bit, trying to trying to create a better experience. Before we get started in the show, though, I, I knew I was going to forget this. Um, we have an opportunity put in front of us to speak uh, five days a week for one hour a day, Monday through Friday, uh, on terrestrial radio. And the way it works, it's a conservative radio network and you you sort of buy in, right? You don't get paid to do it, you buy in now. You can have sponsors um, and the sponsors can can cover the cost, <clears throat> it's $50 an hour, I'd be doing one hour a day, not, not in addition uh, okay, let's see here. Sounds a bit cannish okay let's turn this down. It's got a couple settings that we've fiddled ED'd with. Um, the, uh, so it's a it's a you know if you're in the uh, Philadelphia, New Jersey, all of Pennsylvania I think, New Jersey uh, and Northern Delaware it's so it would be a, a, a terrestrial radio lo- you know more local but it's the sixth largest market that we have in this country the sixth largest radio market in the country so uh, it's an am thing you can also listen online so if you don't live in that market you could hear that hour and that hour would be uh, a different hour every it it would be the same hour Monday through Friday but it would be a different show than what I'm doing now Uh, similar but different wouldn't be the same material um, and uh, so anyway, the only way we're going to be able to do it is, is if we have sponsors to cover the cost. It's fifty dollars an hour. We'll do one hour Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. As you know, it's two hundred fifty dollars. Um, <throat> so if you're so moved, you have a company or an organization or something like that that you want to contribute to that, get a hold of us through the ninjapastor.com, contact me. Uh, the ninja pastor.com, com, and we would love to have your support. So it would be $250 a week. And so, really, really cool. Really, really cool. So, we're going to get started. We have a lot to get through. Uh, I, I, I preached a sermon on Sunday. <clears throat> and I have to tell you, um, I couldn't not preach this sermon. To just, to just be real, real with you. I could not preach it. I, I thought about it and I thought, you know, thank you to my son Doyle, by the way, brought me a great uh, tea, Lady Grey tea, you know, the lady tea. Oh man, it is good too. It's hard to talk for two hours. I don't know if you've ever done it, but just straight away, you know, Oh, my gosh. My buddy BJ. See, these are the things you find out. This is a guy I thought was my brother, but apparently. He says he'd pay you, he'd pay me $50 a day to keep my face hidden. Now, see, that's something only a brother would say. But I love him. I do love him. He's my brother. I love that guy. I'm going to get him on this show. One of these days, I'm going to drag him kicking and screaming on here. He's, he's one of the greatest thinkers I've ever known and certainly a phenomenal preacher uh, and great dad and great husband. And a great believer. So, <clears throat> I, I'll tell you what, I, you know, in, in preaching the sermon on Sunday, there was, a, there was a live audience for the sermon on Sunday, and, um, you know, there there where we, where we do it in Newark, Delaware, and um, the response online afterwards was quite something, and so this will be some of that, but there's going to be a lot more because I just didn't have time on, on Sunday to elaborate on a lot of the things that I wanted to do. So, you know, this is that. So useless Christians, I mean, you, you've heard that term, useless Christians, the price of losing. Um, you, but you, but usually you hear useless Christians, you, t- t- to be honest, you, you hear that term useless Christians from people who don't believe, they're not believers. You know what i'm saying they're not believers they, they of course they're going to say useless christians of course they are they don't like christians they don't like anything we do we believe in now there are uh there are, yes uh, bj uh, has wants me to clear this up it's pronounced newark not newark that was one of the funniest things when i lived in memphis that's where i uh, millington tennessee that's where i met bj and his wonderful wonderful family um and uh, that was always something we always joked about, and they always said, "You know, where's Delaware? Is that is that somewhere up in New York? Is that some city in New York?" So, <laughs> funny, very very funny, funny guy, funny guy. So uh, he says, "What else has he been lied to about?" That's just funny. So, so most of the people, useless Christians, you know, most of the people saying that will say you know, they don't believe. They're, they think we're we're weak-minded people. Now, I started to say, and I'll finish this, is uh, I don't refer to myself as a Christian. Just so you know, I, I refer to myself as a follower of the way. And that may sound weird to you, but, uh, you know, biblically speaking, um, I don't deny the term Christian, but I'm a follower of the way. And, and that's really what the the uh, Talmudim, and uh, the, the, you know, all the ones the disciples that followed, Christ, uh, they were followers of the way. And so there's a whole big story that one of these days I'll, I'll preach a sermon on it. Maybe I've preached a hundred or so sermons on it. And maybe what you could do is go to the NinjaPastor.com and go to the, the listen, you know, and we'll have, there's literally, I don't know, a thousand hours of free content there. It doesn't cost you a penny. You click on sign up while you're there too. It's, we don't spam you or do anything like that. So usually we hear that from people. We hear that from people that don't believe in in Christ, we we, we we hear that from people, the term useless Christians, calling us useless Oh, you a bunch of useless Christians. Oh, you need a crutch. Oh, you're weak, you're whatever. <clears throat> but then we follow that up with the price of losing the price of losing Are Christians really losers. In quotes, losers. And it can't be said that we as Christians have fulfilled our call to work, the Bible says we're to work until He comes, capital H. And it can't be said that we guarded God's gift of freedom and liberty to this world, the United States of America, and to the republic for which it stands, because we didn't. Well, what do we do instead? We slept, right? We got busy taking care of business. Maybe we retired. Maybe we have kids. Maybe we, you know, we've got two jobs. We. You know, we're just trying to do our thing. We're just trying to get finished what we need to get finished in life. We're busy people, working people. And you know what? That's usually conservatives. As the current president said, clingers, people clinging to their Bible and their gun. (laughs) Look, we got to admit it. We have to admit it we slept we fell asleep at the wheel we fell asleep on the post because we were told by the founders that this thing this thing liberty and freedom it it would be assailed it would be attacked you know what else we did we feared we got afraid because people started calling us names saying people that would call us losers useless christians those people started calling us racist they started calling us uh, bigots they started calling us all kinds of names man you know what all kinds of names they started calling us all those things and you know what we did next we retreated because we said we don't like to be called names we don't like to be referred to in in such pejoratives so we retreated and look what we did was we sounded really Christian our words, we sounded, we looked really Christian, what we thought was Christian. We we thought we looked like what was Christian. And you know what? We, we lost. I'm telling you what, we lost. Now we have to win it back or lose it forever. But what's the it? What's the it? What's the it that we're supposed to win back or lose forever? Look, I'm going to tell you today in this broadcast what the Christian and Jew, the believer, the person who has faith in God, can do to save the republic. But it's so much more than saving the republic at this point. It's so much more. It's saving our church, saving the kingdom here on earth because we are going to be attacked. I'll talk more about it in a second. Fair warning for you that didn't see the Facebook live video, and you can always uh, listen to that. It's not a problem. Or watch that if you can stomach see in my face. You'll get to see Buckeye. I showed her on that. Just did it shortly before showtime. Uh, this isn't for the weak unless you want to be made strong. Look, our country, our country, the United States of America, and to the Republic which it stands, we are in trouble. We're in trouble. We've we've been richly and supremely blessed above and beyond all other nations. We cannot argue this. This is a truth that we cannot run from. We must tell the truth. Our country has, in fact, been richly, supremely blessed by God. And we've been blessed even more so than all other nations above and beyond all other nations. But the question is why? Why? I've got to ask that question. How do we get so lucky? Why did we get so blessed? How did this happen? Why are we blessed above and beyond all other nations? How that happen? How did it happen? Is it because we've been built on the backs of slaves? Is it because, you know, we hear that all the time. We hear that all the time. Man, I can't support the, the, um, the founders. I can't support the... Con- Look, these fellas that are running around in the NFL and other sports... Woe to those who are at ease in Zion. Amen, brother. I'm telling you, one of these days, and we have B.J. Maxwell on this show. Have we been, we're told, look, these NFL fellas, and and it's going to happen with the NBA. You know, it's true. It's happened already. It happened in baseball. It's going to happen in other sports. Congratulations to the Cleveland Indians getting a win. Go Indians. But it's happened, and people say, hey, I'm, I'm going to raise my fist, or I'm going to kneel during the uh, the national anthem, or I'm not going to come out. I'm not going to stand for a flag that was built on the backs of slaves and stands for slavery and all the people that involved with that. Boy, they're slave people. That's a big fat lie. But is it is it because have we been blessed so greatly, so supremely blessed above, uh, beyond all other nations? Is it because we've been built? This country has been built on the backs of slaves. Is it because of our neo colonial suppression and the rape of the bounty of other nations? Look, is it because we found a way to rape this country of its natural resources, to rape the bordering countries of their natural resources, to go into other countries, to sail across the sea, to traverse the land and rape other countries as colonialists, to suppress and rape the bounty of other nations, to steal and to take? Hey, maybe it's because of our cruelty to homosexuals. No, nope, it's not because of that. But excellent guesses, though. These are all good guesses. Is it because we did it on the backs of slaves? Is it because of our neo-colonial suppression and the rape and the bounty of other nations? Is it because of our cruelty to LGBT folks? No, good guesses, but no. It's because we were founded on God's word. We were founded on God's word. It's because we have largely been a nation of Christians and Jews striving to do what's right according to God and to spread that philosophy all around the world, even to our detriment, even to our detriment. You know, we've, we've done this at, at a great cost, a great cost of lives, a great cost of so many things. Folks, I'm, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you, you need to understand an important thing here. This is so important. We have largely been a nation of Christians and Jews. And we've largely strived to do what is right according to God. And to spread that philosophy around the world. That's what we've done. And it has cost us. Well, then why are we falling apart? Why are we falling apart politically? Why are we falling apart economically? Why are we falling apart socially folks if you can't look at what's going on around us right now and conclude that we are in fact falling apart politically look around look around look at what's happening politically in this country the united states of america and to the republic or which it stands economically. Look, you, you can let the press tell. You can let the president of the United States, Barack Hussein Obama, you can let him tell you that everything is peachy keen and fine. But I'm here to tell you, the ninja pastor is here to tell you, it is not fine. It is far from fine. It is a big fat lie propped up by the press, propped up by fake numbers. You say what you want about the WikiLeaks. Look, if if the reporter's did what they did during watergate my friends we wouldn't need wikipedia but you know what reporters aren't doing that anymore we are not doing that anymore christians followers of the way and jews we're not standing anymore we're not standing politically we're not standing in the gap politically we're not standing in the collision where that collision between faith and politics happens we're not there economically, you know. Churches and believers, we we stand and and kneel, and we hold our hand out to the government. We say, "Hey, can I have my scraps?" That little envelope at the end of the year. I don't think any church, any church, should be a five hundred one c three church. I do not believe it. You are you are submitting. You're as a slave to the to the master, and believe you me, that's a small m, not a large m. I don't believe in it. Socially, can we look around and see? Can we look around and see that we are not honoring God? We, we are absolutely not honoring. In fact, we are thumbing our nose to God every day in so many areas of society. We've got bathrooms that, that now are inhabited by, girls' bathrooms are inhabited by men, dressed as women or not. We have uh, we, we have this strange fascination with being quiet and kind and peaceful, determining peaceful to be that um, that we are as the Jews were going getting on the trains and, 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 and not fighting back passive passivity. No. No. We're not standing up anymore. We're not, we're not calling out a lie anymore. The the, the the Donald Trump was so lambasted because it is so amazing to me that he was lambasted for calling out Hillary Clinton for her crimes and saying that she's the most corrupt person ever to run for office ever in all of history anywhere in the world. I believe that. I believe it. Isn't it something that that this man who uh, many of the hardcore Christians, the the old school Christians, the 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 hashtag never Trumpers are are really, really conservative, very conservative Christians. And I have nothing against that group of folks. I could be described that way my own self. But isn't it ironic? Isn't it something that Donald Trump, the fellow that they point their bony little digits at as the Pharisees did and say he's not good enough to run. For president he's not good enough to be my president he says bad things and he does bad things and so he's not good enough isn't it something that this is the only man to stand in the gap for the church anymore isn't it something that he's the only man to stand up and say hey i'm for america i'm not running to be the world president i'm running to be the president of the united states of america Isn't it something that he's the only one bold enough and brave enough to say we got to put up a wall? Isn't it something he's the only one? This fellow that doesn't meet our criteria of being Christian enough. Isn't it something that he's the only one so far that stands up? He's the only one that stands up. He's the only one that stands up for the unborn. You know what's sickening and disgusting and awful is he's the only one that stands up for the partially born. And if Hillary Clinton, acolyte of Margaret Sanger, you know, Margaret Sanger is the founder of Planned Parenthood. She is the one who, in fact, who, in fact, believed in eugenics, getting rid of an entire race of people. Margaret Sanger is is Hillary Clinton's hero. I didn't say it. She said it. She's written it many times. She's spoken of it many times. Margaret Sanger invented Planned Parenthood. Started Planned Parenthood in order to kill as many black children as she could. My friends, I I don't know. I, I'm I'm not one of those people, really, to be honest with you. That that uh, I don't I don't want to. Look, I don't want to sound angry. That's that's never my intent. It's never my intent. Never, never my look. I don't want to sound angry, but I am. Because I told you, I told you in the beginning that that we we slept, we feared, we retreated. You know, we said, "Hey, anger's not good. We don't want to be angry. Let's not be angry." Hey, folks, don't be angry, Christians. Oh, I'm mad, bro. I'm mad. I'm way, bro. I'm way mad, bro. Cause we got afraid we retreated and we said hey this can't be you know what we did we we said this can't be true this can't be happening it can't be happening so we hushed our mouths we retreated cuz we didn't want to sound mad we didn't want to be called names anymore you know what we're not doing we're not honoring god anymore we're not we're not looking to how we received this great blessing largely a nation of Christians and Jews. We, we, were, we were founded by amazing believers. Don't believe the lie. I'll, I'll dispel a lot of those lies in just a few moments. We're not doing it anymore. We're not being who we were supposed to be. To the degree that some of us are, we're less in number and we're less in voice and we're less in visibility and we've lost our salt. You say, what is salt? Matthew 5, 13 it asks this, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. And I'm going to tell you something, folks the United States of America is being trampled underfoot. In less than two weeks, the US presidential election is going to be over. Two weeks. Two weeks. Do you understand that? That's two weeks. November 8th folks. Do you understand November 8th? That's election day. And we're being trampled as a nation, the United States of America. We're being trampled underfoot, just like salt. That's no longer salty. And we're in less than two weeks, the presidential election is going to be over. And, and the big question that I'm being asked, Not that I'm anybody, I don't know why, but people choose to ask me these tough questions. They say, what should Christians do if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. Man, we have a broken land. We've got a sinful land. Salt that is not salty is called dust. Amen. At 2nd Chronicles 714, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. Humility. Humility. Humbling yourself, man, that's a hard thing to do. Humbling yourself is a hard thing to do. It's hard to do. It it is embarrassing. It, It is troubling sometimes for us to do that because we have to confront the real things about us. We have to confront the truth about us. The truth isn't always fun and nice and sweet. Sometimes the truth is dusty. Hey, you're not salty anymore. You've let go of what it is that makes you who you are in Christ. And as a result, you're you're losing your life day by day. You're losing your freedom day by day. Look, I, I preached a sermon a couple of weeks ago. and uh, And to date, I think it's the most downloaded sermon I've done except for Um, Hunting Dead Lions, you can find all that at at the website, DrSeanGreener.com, The Ninja Passion. It's free. It doesn't cost you anything. When I'm I'm requested to come preach places, that's one of the most requested sermons. They say, ma'am, come preach that. But outside of that one, two weeks ago, I talked about, man, you got to call it like it is. You had better call it like it is. And if you're talking about yourself, you had better call it like it is about yourself. Because there's no, look, there's nothing worse than lying to yourself. You can't ever tell the truth to somebody else. You can't ever know the truth to tell anyone else. If you lie to yourself. Humility. I tell you what, you better get humble or you'll get humbled. I've heard from a lot of Christians who believe th- this is what they say to me. They say, Ninja Pastor, Dr. Sean, I can't vote. Listen, I, I talked to some people you all know, and thank you for praying for him. By the way, continue praying, if ramp up your praying for my buddy Chris Galen. He needs your prayer. He started uh, chemo up again yesterday, and it's going to be a tough road, but he's tough, and our God is tougher. Keep praying for Chris Galen. But thank you to those who have prayed for my brother. Um, he, he needs your prayers. He's in critical condition, but we are, we're praying daily uh, that improvement really starts to really, really start to happen. And, uh, and that we can, we can, we can rejoice. We can rejoice. But I met some folks there, their, their, their uh their dear relative was, was uh, operating on, had you know major surgery. And, was in intensive care. And I met these nice people are very, very nice. And they said, no, I, no way in this world I can vote for Donald Trump. He's a misogynist. He's, he's uh he's terrible. Now, I I don't know if they were Christians or, or not Christians. Um, You know, one of their children goes to a, 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 a prestigious Catholic college. So I don't know. I don't know. I don't know whether they were. I don't know if they just go to the college because of the prestigious nature. I don't know. What do I know? But I'm going to tell you, these folks said, man, I can't, no way in this world, I could ever vote for Donald Trump. Not going to happen. Well, he cheats people. News says he cheats people, cheats, he cheats business people. And, and my dad owned a business and he never cheated anybody. Listen, you haven't been close enough to the business then. Sometimes maybe he didn't do the best he could do. Sometimes maybe he didn't render the best possible service. And sometimes maybe uh, he, he got away with less than what the folks paid for. That's just reality, folks. Any businesses like that, any business. I was fanatical about giving folks more than what they paid for, and sometimes I didn't do it. But I hear from a lot of Christians, I hear a lot of Christians say, No way I can do it. Not a lot of Christians, and let me tell you something. I love these people. They're hardcore, hashtag Never Trumpers. They're hardcore. It's they a man, I just as soon vote for that third party guy. I just as soon stay at home than vote for Donald Trump. He doesn't measure up to me. No way in this world. He can't carry the banner for me. No way in this world. They say, oh, I, I'm a Christian. And they say their conscience will not permit them to vote for Donald Trump. This is an elevation of their personal conscience over their God-given right and obligation to participate in the governance of a nation given to them by God and preserved by the blood of stri- Look, I mentioned, I mentioned, the beginning. I, I go very frequently to Arlington National Cemetery. I have friends there, personal friends there. I have personal friends who are parents of of people under, under that just vaunted, hallowed ground. That's the blood. Those are the strangers who shed their blood on behalf of people who wouldn't go, couldn't go, didn't go. They lost their lives. They gave their lives. So you're saying to me, Christian, your personal conscience is, is over your God-given right and obligation to participate in the governance of a nation that was given to us in the first place by God and preserved by the blood of strangers shed on your behalf. That's pride, folks. Hashtag never Trumpers, proudly stated. Pride. Now, I want you to think about that for a minute. I want you to think about that. What goes before a fall? Pride. This week I saw some snippets of of the film Revive Us, and it was put out by Kirk Cameron. Let me tell you something. That fella deserves your support. He's a hero, in my opinion. He's a hero. Look, this guy still an extremely good looking guy. I can say that as a, you know, up, um, But he's a good looking guy. He's great head of hair. He's a super nice fella. Um, he he. You know, they said that that uh, by by going Christian, he gave up hundreds, uh, almost a billion dollars. In potential revenue. He would be bigger than Tom Cruise. That's the trajectory of his career. When he really turned his life over to Christ and he really dedicated his life to Christ. And he said, Listen, I'm not going to be anything that's that I'm that I'm embarrassed that God couldn't see. I'm not going to do anything that doesn't honor God. This is this is my goal. He's to be honored. So this film was put out. It's called Revive Us. Put out by Kirk Cameron. And I'm gonna borrow some of Ben Carson's remarks from that. And I don't think he'll mind that. Ben Carson actually has my book, Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America. Remember, our next book that we're working on right now is Go Get a Life. I also think Mr. Cameron deserves praise for attempting to unite in in, in the in, in getting us to vote. The 25 million registered voters who call themselves christians on legal documents hey this is who i am they self-identify hey i'm a christian i'm willing to put my name down here and they didn't show up to vote 25 million can you believe that my friends 25 million people who call themselves christian didn't show up to vote in 2012. 25 million prideful or lazy people who swung the election to barack Hussein Obama, 08 and 012, 25 million prideful, lazy Christians. They swung the election. Look, I'm going to tell you, you can do the math if you want to. I'll do it for you. Most elections turn on 5 million votes. Did you know that? Most elections turn, literally turn on 5 million votes. To all of you, conscience, and I said that, look out, you're a conscience, you're not a conscientious objector, you're a conscience objector, because you say, my conscience, I I can't do it, I've got my conscience, my Christian conscience. To all of you conscience objectors out there who can't choose between the lesser of two evils because God won't let you, you say, you are deceiving yourself, or Satan himself is deceiving you. Either way, you're under delusion. Maybe you do it in a in a real hand wringing sort of way. You say, "Look, you know, I, I'm 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 a red blooded American. I serve my country. I'm whatever, whatever, whatever it is." And you say, "Hey, look, I can't. I'm a conscience objector. This guy's not Christian. If he says bad things, he gropes on women. He brags about you know how he can get women because he's famous. He does this, that, and the other. It's the lesser of two evils. I can't. God won't let me vote this time. I'm going to have to vote third party or not vote at all, or just leave that blank and vote down ballot." I'm telling you, you are deceiving yourself. If you say it's because you say you cannot vote the lesser of two evils because God won't let you, you are deceiving yourself or Satan is deceiving you. Either way, you're under delusion. God gave you a brain and an obligation to choose. Listen, you choose between the lesser of two evils every minute of every day. You can't half live five minutes without making that decision. Why? Why? Because you live in an evil and fallen world, and that's why God gave you the ability to choose between the lesser of two evils. Because you know what? If you don't decide on an an ongoing basis between the lesser of two evils in your life, you will not live. You will die. You absolutely cannot live without making that decision. Many times a day. Hey, look, man, we're not going to lie here. We're not going to hide things. I did a whole show about Donald Trump. Donald Trump is indeed the lesser of two evils. He is infinitely the lesser of evils between the two that we have. And he is, in fact, a fine candidate. And however flawed, he's carrying the water and the sword for the Christian perspective. And let me tell you something that is sad because so many, so many Christians. They say something Jerry, uh, Jerry and chat, Jerry Pennsylvania. A lot of people believe since God is sovereign, they can stay home. They're wrong. They're not wrong about God being sovereign, but they are absolutely wrong about staying home. They say, they say, well, God is sovereign. Nothing happens with doesn't with outside his will. No, you need to vote based on godly principles, godly principles. Isn't it something I alluded to it before that Donald Trump, the the fellow that just doesn't meet the standard, for pious Christians, pharisaical Christians, he's not Christian enough. He's done too many things wrong. I talked last week about the, the 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 sinner on the cross, the the thief on the cross. He he acknowledged one of them acknowledged who Christ was, and is, and said, "Remember me when you come into your kingdom." He said, "Even today, you'll be with me in paradise." He didn't have time to get everything together. You know what? In this day and age, you've got you've got a reputation to cover up. You've got a reputation to build. And then rebuild. You know what I'm telling you right now? You've got to choose. Listen, folks, you've got to choose. I'm going to tell you. It is sickening to me that Donald Trump, this fellow you say isn't good enough to run for president because you're too Christian to to sling a vote for him. He's the one that's carrying the water and the sword for the Christian perspective because all these other folks have stood there and said, mm, you No, know, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to withdraw my support for Donald Trump. Or, in fact, they said. See, this is why I didn't support him. This is why I don't like him. He's not a nice man. You gotta you got a life or death choice here, folks. God says choose life that you may live. That means you gotta choose. You choose even the simple things, stay alive or not alive. Donald Trump is the lesser of two evils, folks. You can't you can't deny the fact that he's lesser of two evils. He's the only one. He's the only one with the cojones to stand up and stand for Christian principles and say, hey, I am going to return your right to worship freely in this country. I'm going to unleash the dogs on the people who have been trying to shut you up as a Christian. Isn't that something that this person to whom is coming to our rescue is a little bit dirty, a little bit scuffed up? This is something Christians with their turn the other cheek philosophy in politics. They haven't done it for years. Well, we want to talk nice. We want to talk nice. We don't want to have, we don't want to have, um, well, we just don't want to have dialogue and rhetoric that is misogynistic and blah, 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 blah. Oh, that's your excuse. Turn the other cheek. Look, I don't want to get involved in politics. Politics is a dirty thing do you know why politics is a dirty thing if politics is a dirty thing because christians who claim to be followers of the way to follower of the of of the one true god follower of christ i've got newsflash for you every one of us are dirty but guess what christians abdicated we stepped away from the from the fight we said hey i'm not getting in that politics is a dirty game and i'm staying away from it we abdicated and it's to our own detriment because you know what hillary clinton and barack hussein obama they love when you're silent. They try to back you up, get you on your heels, get you to retreat. They love it. They love it. They love the turn the other cheek thing. You ever notice how these people quote, they so selectively quote scripture? Almost always out of context. They, that's the only thing, the only acknowledgement to God is to tell you to shut up and sit down. And so you did that. You turned the other cheek. You said, I don't want to get in a fight. I don't want to get in a fight. We're in the world for a reason. And sometimes we got to get in and get it, get get dirt, get our knuckles bloody, folks. I'm going to tell you something. Hillary Clinton does not pretend that she's going to be nice to Christians or step back on abortion or any Christian issue. She's been very clear with you. She said, I don't like Christians. Except when she's in a black church, she suddenly, if it's a southern black church, she suddenly is some kind of soul singing gospel singer from the deep bowels of Alabama. But she's been very clear when she's outside of that little group where you know she got voters c- giving her votes. She's trying to win votes by lying to them. I'm going to tell you something. She's never made a lie about it. She doesn't pretend. Read the WikiLeaks, folks. I'm reading every night. I read about an hour, as much as I can, as much as I can digest. I read about an hour, and I'm telling you, it's sickening to me that that the uh, that sadly. Uh, this should be national news. should be international news. The woman should be locked up. Read the emails. They're widely available. Take the time and read them. You will not believe what you're reading. She has made no, look, I- I'm going to tell you this. Let's just make a comparison just for fun. Donald Trump, you may not like it, but he's a fighter. He's a fighter. And I'm telling you right now, there's never been a time. There's never been a time on planet earth in the United States of America where there's not some fighting that had to be done. You had better believe there's some fighting that needs to be done, and it's gonna be grimy and dirty and rough. He's a fighter. Look, I'm gonna tell you something. What do you want, a paper cut or quadriplegic ap- amputation? Which do you want? I'm going to tell you that there's a choice here. We're gonna get in and get some paper cuts, we're gonna get involved and get some paper cuts on us maybe a few slash marks, you know, who knows, who knows, could get, could get rough. We're getting it together. We're in it to win it. We'll win back down. Every time we back down, Christians back down every time when there's fighting to be done, Christians back down. They talk a good game, but they don't get in the fight. Some folks said that, that, uh, they that these people I met, nice people at the hospital, they're such nice people. I can't wait to meet them again and, and see them again. And Uh, you know their relative is is improving greatly and uh, sounds like a super super successful man and a great husband and father and 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 his wife is a wonderful wonderful lady Uh, it was just an honor to meet them but you know I, I you know one of the things I want to say to them is look I'm going to tell you right now there's you can't believe what the what the press is telling you about Hillary Clinton look people develop political beliefs and religious beliefs and all those things based on where they are, based on where they get their information, based on based on how they are informed and how they choose to be informed. The sad thing is, is, is you can't run from the facts about Hillary Clinton. Uh, and, and and they said that it's sickening to them, it's, it's disgusting to them, that Donald Trump on national television during a debate said, I will hire a prosecutor, I will appoint a prosecutor, to pro- investigate and prosecute you and put you in jail, and they said that that's offensive. That's that's trouble. That's trouble in this world. I'm going to tell you something, and this is important for you to know. This is this is important whether they're listening or 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 not. It, you know, all around America and all over the world, folks listening right now. I'm going to tell you something. Hillary Clinton is in fact the most corrupt, most evil. billion. What do you think happened to that? Do you mind that $6 billion is missing? And these brave Christian Republicans who said they're fighting for you in Washington, D.C., these professional politicians said, I'm fighting for you. Have you heard any of them talk about the missing $6 billion? When you're missing $6 billion of the taxpayer's money, somebody should be angry. Somebody should be investigating. Someone should say, well, slow down, slam dancer, little Miss Hillary. Tell you what, before you run, we're gonna to have to ask you some questions under oath. And you know what? We're gonna subpoena you. And you know what? We're gonna take it as far as we can take it because you did something wrong. Oh, and by the way, selling us out to another country. Oh, and by the way, taking hundreds of millions of dollars from our enemies. And oh, by the way, you claiming to represent the LGBT and black communities uh, and, and in so many other uh, communities that you, that you align yourself with. And yet you take hundreds of millions of dollars from people that kill those very people, people that throw gays off the off the off roofs, that cut people's heads off that that stone women for letting their ankles show. That set women on fire. I'm going to tell you something. If Hillary Clinton, look, it's this is a paper cut. If Donald Trump The the pain that we'll have from some of the things he might say, some things he might do, that's a paper cut. You want Hillary Clinton to become president? Quadriplegic amputation instantly, day one. If she becomes president, you are going to lose your freedom. We will all lose freedom. We'll all lose our freedom. And 25 million of you, the 25 million, I'm, I'm speaking directly to you right now, the 25 million of you who stayed home and voted for Hillary Clinton, With your conscience, you'll have given Satan, once again, the keys to our world. You had better believe it. And yes, the United States is is the world as much as Barack Obama has decimated it. The United States of America, Barack Obama didn't run to be the president of the United States. He ran to be president of the world. He said he was going to unite us. Instead, he divided us worse than ever before. And you 25 million folks, if you stay home again, or you vote for Hillary Clinton, because trust me, staying home is voting for Hillary Clinton with your conscience. That's exactly what you're doing, my friends. And you will have given Satan, once again, the keys to our world. Listen, the Supreme Court votes alone. The Supreme Court votes alone should be sufficient to compel you to vote for the Republican or conservative candidate. You say he's not really a conservative. The folks that I met at the hospital, they said, you know, I'm troubled by the the, uh, suddenly uh, uh, conservative very hard right some of the stuff is very hard right that Donald Trump is espousing now he never did that before. Watch the tapes go back and listen to the tapes read what the man has written. Listen to, to some of his speeches and you'll see that this has been going on since he had children. He's he's look you don't have every belief you have instantly day one. Sometimes you have to have some experiences and you have to say hey, I come to this kicking and screaming. I come to this with some bloody fingernails. The Supreme Court, I'm telling you, the Supreme Court votes alone. That should be enough only by itself to compel you to vote for Donald Trump November 8th. But what does that really matter, you ask me? You say, hey, what's that matter? At what point does does it matter? Well, let's look at the very core of how liberals, they're removing God from this country. And if you have the temerity to look me in the face and tell me that liberals aren't in the process of successfully removing God from this country, I will show you. You can can buy lunch for me, and I will sit down in an hour's time. I'll show you example after example after example. They want to remove God. Listen, you've got to go. All you need do is go back to the Democrat national convention in 2012. I think it was 12 or I think it was 12. Yeah. In 12 and, and see that was down in uh, uh, Charlotte, Charlotte, North Carolina, where they want to, where they want to have a rule where, where men and women go, whatever restroom you want. Don't matter if you're a transgender that don't matter, go wherever you want. That's their big thing. But you know what? 33 or 34 times from the floor, they voted to remove any mention of God or religion from their platform of the Democrat National Convention. This is the group of people who are removing God from this country. The interpretation of the intent of the Establishment Clause and the Free Exercise Clause in the Constitution. Listen, folks, the phrase separation of church and state, it's not in the Constitution. The Constitution guarantees no nationally imposed Religion and it ensures our freedom to practice religion, whichever religion we want. There is no separation in the Constitution. Separation of church and state—that was a phrase used in a letter by Thomas Jefferson to the Danbury Baptists. The Supreme Court has interpreted and applied a letter to a specific person answering a specific question, not law, a letter, and they've they've applied it and interpreted in specific ways to eradicate over time the ability of Christians and Jews to practice their religion. A letter to the Danbury Baptists: Hey, we don't want you to force on us a national religion like they did in England. We don't wanna be angling in church. We wanna do whatever we wanna be. And this fellow was Baptist. He was writing a letter to the Baptist. He said, no. I'm I'm going to tell you this will continue in such a way you will not even be able to believe it beyond your wildest dreams. If Hillary Clinton becomes president here, maybe there's a, a quick hef- history lesson separation of just real quick, just indulge me separation of church and state. It's a phrase used by Thomas Jefferson and others is est- expressing an understanding of the intent and function of the establishment clause and free exercise clause of the first amendment to the constitution of the United States of America, which reads Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof the intent of this clause was to limit the power of the federal government in regard to religion thus ensuring freedom of religion in the united states of america it was about freedom of religion in the united states of america and they generally this this phrase you know separation of church and state let me get a drink of tea right quick This is uh, January 1st, 1802, the letter written, written. Now, we all know Thomas Jefferson. Now this fellow wrote and wrote and wrote and wrote. I mean to tell you, he wrote and wrote and wrote and wrote. Wrote and wrote and wrote. You know what he wrote? He wrote the Constitution. He He was one of the biggest writers, one of the biggest influencers. The constitution was based on rights given by God from the Bible who said that Thomas Jefferson obviously he was pro-God in the government so what January 1st 1802 letter written by Thomas Jefferson obviously a man who, who is a prolific writer he addressed the Danbury Baptist Association in Danbury Connecticut published in a Massachusetts newspaper and this is what he wrote I contemplate with sovereign reverence The that act of the whole American people, which declared that their legislature should make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof, thus building a wall of separation between church and state. Now, when you read that over, you realize that you've been hoodwinked. You've been hoodwinked. Satan is a liar. So Satan is telling you to believe that somewhere or another, that that separation of church and state is in fact in the constitution. Not only is it not in the constitution, the way they're talking about, it's not in the letter to the Danbury Baptist, the same way that they're describing, because they're describing something that simply isn't true. I'll read it again slowly. I contemplate with sovereign reverence. Now sovereign reverence, who is he referring to as sovereign? Sovereign reverence means to God. Not a a God, but the God. That act of the whole American people, which declared that their legislature should make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof, thus building a wall of separation between church and state. And what he's saying, Hey man, no worries, brother. We're not going to make anybody force you to be any sort of religion. Our document, the constitution of the United States of America is not going to do that. Jefferson was echoing the language of the founder of the first Baptist church in America. You know, every church calls itself the first Baptist church, but I can tell you the first Baptist church was founded by Roger Williams. And he had written in 1644 of a hedge or wall of separation between the garden of the church and the wilderness of the world. Article 6 of the United States Constitution, also special, and, and this is in there, you can read it, but I'll read it for you. It specifies that no religious test shall ever be required as a qualification to any office or public trust under the United States of America. But it seems to me, but it seems to me the left has twisted this. Satan is a liar. The devil is a liar. The left, we've allowed them because we were fearful and we retreated. We've allowed the left to tell us that this is what it means. That if you're a Christian, if you're a Jew, if you're a practicing Christian or an observant Jew, you cannot be in any high office of the land because you're going to force your religion on us. And you know what? We have separation of church and state. And we allowed them. We chuckled. We chuckled at it. I don't think it's a bit funny. Jefferson's metaphor of a wall of separation has been cited repeatedly by the United States Supreme Court. Reynolds v. United States, 1879. The court wrote that Jefferson's comments may be accepted accepted almost as an authoritative declaration of the scope and effect of the First Amendment. In Everson v. Board of Education, 1947, Justice Hugo Black wrote in the words of Thomas Jefferson, the clause against establishment of religion by law was intended to erect a wall of separation between church and state. I spoke a little bit ago. I spoke a little bit about, about freedom and liberty, and I described our country uh, as free. It's, 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 it's this is great gift from God given to us by God. And I spoke of that and I, I'm not the only one that speaks of these types of things. Freedom, but what does freedom, you know, people say, well, what is freedom? What is freedom? Some folks have been free so long they don't even know what freedom is. And some folks have been shackled for so long they wouldn't know what slavery was. the complete Jewish Bible, Galatians 5.1, what the Messiah has freed us for is freedom. Therefore, stand firm and don't let yourselves be tied up again to a yoke of slavery. And I am sure of this, that the one who began a good work among you will keep it growing until it is completed on the day of the Messiah Yeshua. That's Philippians 1.6. That's free of charge. Until, what does until stand for? Until he comes. We're to fight for liberty and freedom until he comes. The Bible isn't at all silent on freedom and liberty. talks about it. It talks about how long we're to fight until he comes. We're to work until he comes. Second Thessalonians 3. Finally, brothers, pray for us that the Lord's message may spread rapidly and receive honor just as it did with you, and that we may be rescued from the wicked and evil people, for not everyone has trust, but the Lord is worthy of trust. He'll make you firm and guard you from the evil one. Yes, unite with the world. With the Lord, we are confident about you. United with the Lord, we are confident about you. That you are doing the things we are telling you to do. And that you keep on doing it. We can't grow weary. We have to persevere. He says right here in verse 5, May the Lord direct your hearts into God's love and the perseverance with the Messiah. Look, look, you can't be idle. Verse 6, it talks about idleness. It talks about don't live a life not in keeping with the tradition you receive. You got to labor and toil day and night. Can't be idle, you can't sit back. Christians, you can't be that 25 million folks who sat back and did not participate. You had better not do it. Idleness, not busy working. Oh, a lot of folks are busy bodies all up and down social media talking about I'm I'm fighting, I'm fighting for liberty and freedom. You don't do anything more than that. You hear me talk all the time about uh Center for Self-Governance, a great Mark Hur just left, good friend just left Uh, we were privileged to have him here at our house and uh Mark was fighting for one of our level five graduates running for office helping out bunch of level five graduates man. KTR team keep the Republic they're they're in it to win it man they're in it they're gonna work these two weeks they're in it to win it they are not letting up they're not leading the life of idleness Center for self-governance Self governance. Man, you can't sit back and let somebody else do it for you. You can't be idle. You've got to be busy working. Get to work. Don't slack off. The second Thessalonians 3 5 and the Lord direct your hearts in the love of God and into the patient waiting for Christ. Look, we're we're to as Christians, as followers of the way, we're to live with the inner expectation that Christ just might come today but we're to still live with an outward lifestyle that says, hey, he might not even come in my lifetime. And what's that mean? In other words, we're, we're to work like he's coming back in the next five minutes. But we have to realize he may choose to delay his coming until after our lives are over, What we're to work Until he comes. We're to fight for freedom and liberty and the things of the kingdom until he comes. You say Christians shouldn't sully their hands in government. The reason why government is so dirty is because Christians have run from government and government was allowed to get dirty. There's no God in schools because Christians let God be taken away. There are abortion referrals, free abortion referrals in school because we allowed the sanctity of human life to be devalued to the very extent that, you know what, we, I, I've heard lots of Christians say it well, you know, I just look, I'm not for abortion, but you know what, I, I want women to, to be able to decide what they do with their own body. Why do you think partial birth abortion, uh, you know, the big fight is to keep that legal, to make it legal? It, it is because, uh, it's because they, they've said, well, hey, that, that child is not, that fetus has not been fully delivered. So therefore, uh, they're still not a human. They're still not, they don't have rights. They're not a person. They don't have personhood. Uh, you know, they don't have protection under the law or of God, long as you keep their head in the body. And we've, we've complied with the law, and we allowed that. We allowed that to stand. Folks, as Christians, how in the world could we do it? The folks have told me lots of times, good Christian folks, look the right way, talk the right way, dress the right way, all that, all that. They say, "Hey, man, I'm 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 not for abortion. No, I'm not for abortion. Not at all for abortion. It's a terrible, terrible thing. But you know what? I, I think the woman ought to have a right. She ought to have a right to decide what happens in her own body. You know, I don't know if you know this, but First Thessalonians. There's a first and first and second Thessalonians. The first Thessalonians, Shaul or Paul, that's, that's, that's his actual Hebrew name, it's not actually Paul, that's a made up name. Uh, first Thessalonians to comfort the church about the imminent return of Christ. He said, Hey, man, calm down, you'll be all right, he's coming. But then, second, the second letter to the Thessalonians, that's they were correcting an error because people were thinking, Hey, live it up, we can live however we want, we we'll do whatever we want to do. We can be lazy, we can be complacent, we can be irresponsible. I'm telling you in the Christian community, we in the Christian community, we've become lazy too. We've become complacent. What have we been, political responsibility to freedom and liberty. And I'm telling you as sure as sure as I'm standing here in my studio under Hillary Clinton, your religious and political freedom and liberty will evaporate before your very eyes and she's made no secret of it. We will cease to be free. My friends, this is not hyperbole. This is reality. Hillary Clinton will see to it that babies as old—and look—you look look this up. Will you? Don't don't trust me. Look it up. She has said it out of her own mouth. Her hero is Margaret Sanger, who is the founder of Planned Parenthood, who wanted to kill as many black babies as she could. That's why they're located in communities like that. It's not to provide health care. That's a sham. And she even said, "Look, we got to offer some of these other things, at least on paper." So we can cover the fact that what we're doing and what we're doing is killing as many black babies as we possibly can. But guess what? It caught on with the the white community. And so we kill lots of white babies too. Hillary Clinton, if elected, will see to it that babies, and she will have the Supreme Court to do it. She'll see to it that babies as old as six months after birth, my friends, hear me now, after birth, after they are born, six months after they are born, The medical murderer's tools of death will be able to be put in use and kill that child if the mother so decides. This is not hyperbole. This is reality. Hillary Clinton will see to it that as she proudly leads in the murder of millions of babies in this country, that your freedom of speech will be no longer free at all. And, and you know what's going to happen? Devoid of actual freedom, you're not going to have the legal right to speak out for the lives of the innocent. Because just as we fail to do this all along, we will then not have the legal right to speak out. My friends, this is not hyperbole. This is reality. Hillary Clinton will see to it that as Christians, our voices will be silenced. She's going to see to it that it'll be, it, it, it will be... completely nullified our reason. Look, can we let me just say this, I'm getting fired up. Can we say this? Does any actual reasonable person think that that that, 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 that there should that, that you could bur- have a baby all but the head still inside the woman? And that you could take a spike. And that's exactly what happens. Don't let anybody tell you any different. Don't let anybody tell you, listen, does a baby cry when it's born? Does a baby have pain? Does a baby kick inside the womb? Of course it feels pain. Why do you think the, the left doesn't want you to show videos? Why do you think the left doesn't want you to see videos of what happens inside the womb? Why do you, th- in order, look, you're going to have to sign, you're going to watch this video and then sign this. And then if you still want to kill your baby, go ahead. Christians were silent. with They allowed us to do this. So you just got to watch this video and sign here that you watched it. They don't even want that. They don't want you to know scientifically what we know babies feel. Because why it's going to cut into this business. Because listen, not only do this look, does any reasonable person think that it is okay to cut up babies and sell their body parts? Does anybody think that? So does that same person that is appalled by that? the partial well that's to save the life of the mother no it's not that's the big fat lie who decides if the wife, if the uh, mother's life is in danger who decides the abortionist hillary clinton absolutely believes that this is this is right and proper to take a spike that hooks up to a suction machine run the spike through the back of the skull and suck the brains Out of the baby until the baby dies. You say, "Ooh, that's disgusting." Oh, I don't want to hear that. That's terrible. Then grow a spine, because this little baby, this innocent little baby. Look, the time to decide what you do with your body is in the bedroom or in the back of the car, or wherever it is you you have sex. Decide there. But listen, once that happens, where there's a life form, you're going to kill something. You're going to kill an innocent life. Because look, Hillary Clinton becomes, it's going to be like Rome. And I'm telling you, she's going to see to it that babies and sick people and old people and mentally handicapped people and people of color will die legally. And even if Christians decide, you're finally, you're going to rise up. You're finally going to grow a spine. Finally, you're going to get some cojones. Finally, you're going to actually defend with weapons the lives of those we have allowed to be murdered for decades. We will be weaponless. Why? Because Hillary Clinton not only wants the murder of millions of the innocent to die through abortion and euthanasia, Hillary Clinton rabidly wants to take away your constitutional right to possess a firearm. I'm not making this up. This is fact. This isn't hyperbole. This is reality. I'm going to tell you in no uncertain terms, you'll be defenseless oh no i won't oh no i won't you let her come up in here and try to take my guns really really come on now you didn't stand up for those bakers it was that, that couple that married couple christians that said we love you brother but we can't make your wedding cake we can make you cupcakes we can do all kinds of things like we've been doing for a year and a half but we just can't we can't make your wedding cake because our faith is our faith is our faith is such that we we don't we don't agree with this because our faith says we don't agree with gay marriage but go do your thing I mean you know God bless you have fun but we just can't do it when it's the left trying to get Christian folks out of the way separation of church and state but when the state says to christian people hey you you can't have you you can't do that that's discrimination you can't do that what about separation church and state what we don't what are you talking about oh yeah yeah that's what it means it means you can't do that i'm going to go back to this this abortion thing I, I need you to understand can we still not agree on humane limits here The Born Alive Act says that if a baby is born through abortion, they survive the abortion, you're to take the baby and provide no palliative care, put it on a metal table. It specifies a metal table with no palliative care, no blanket, no nothing, no food, no nothing for four hours. And if that baby survives that four hours, then it is not coded as a failed abortion. It is in fact coded as a birth they say no limits. They say six months from it. Six months from birth, you can still kill you. Come on, folks. This is not made up stuff. It just sounds made up because you can't believe it. It's not hyperbole. Hillary and Barack Hussein Obama, they said, no, it's totally fine. Do whatever you need to do. It's totally fine. Folks, we have to engage the collision of faith and politics to win or work until he comes. But how do we do this? How do we live a balanced life? You can't go around yelling at people all the time. You can't stand at an abortion clinic all the time with your signs and waving, you know, the 500 feet away that you have to be because that's not right. It's not wrong. Hey, you can't. Not only can you just be you can't be on the public street. You have to be a certain number of feet away. Well, we don't want them to feel bad. That's not right. We don't want them to feel bad. So you have to be far enough away where they can't see you. So you can't run around doing that all the time. Tiller, uh, Dr. Tiller, the fellow that was killed ironically in church. I say ironically because I think it was an Episcopal church or Lutheran church. And he was loved in the community. Gave a lot of money to the church. Gave a lot of money to different things. Where did he make all this money? They estimate that he killed personally. In late term or partial birth abortions, he's the pioneer of partial eleven thousand human beings. I don't advocate this, not, not by a stretch. But a man walked into that church and said, "Not one more life!" Boom, and killed him. I don't advocate that at all. Do I think the man ought to be locked up forever? The the, the fellow that did this? No. No. Donald Trump was asked, you know, should the mother or the, or the doctor receive some sort of penalty? We make this abortion illegal. These are the same people that say we can't erect a wall and send the people back who are here illegally can't do it. That's that's inhumane. That's not air quotes who we are in America. How would Hillary Clinton or Barack Hussein Obama know who we are in America? I talked to a lot of people. It's weird, I'm I'm not by any means a celebrity, traditional definition of celebrity, but it's weird now, I get recognized or people hear me talk and they, oh, you're your you know, uh, whatever, people will see me and they'll they'll know who I am and it always cracks me up. I don't know how it happens, but it does. So I'm, I'm, I'm not a celebrity, I don't want you to think I think of myself that way. And I'm certainly not fallible. I'm not saying to you, well, you know, you need to be like me, which is perfect. No, I'm not perfect. I'm, I'm as flawed a person as I think you will ever meet in your lifetime. Honestly, I really believe that. I honestly really, look. I'm not saying it to get you to feel bad for me, get you to feel sad for me. I, I mean it. I got a lot of hurts, habits, and hangups. I got a lot of stuff, folks. My friends, even still, even still, We have to not abandon our hope. We, we we can't. We say, well, I can't become engaged anymore. It's driving me crazy. I can't stand it. It's, it's it's making me sick. I can't do it anymore. I can't do it anymore. I can't. I can't do it. I I'm sorry. I I wish I could, but I can't. I got I gotta disconnect. I gotta I gotta hit the, the eject button. I can't do it anymore. And I get it. But you know what, we don't have a choice. We don't have a choice. We, we've, we've got the balance we've got the we've got, we've got to be in it to win it. We've got to be in it to win it. No way in this world We can't abdicate. We can't get out of this thing. This is a gift from God. Be different if it was a Christmas gift you didn't like. A sweater you thought was ugly. Although ugly sweater parties are really all the rage now. It's not that. It's a gift from God. Freedom and liberty. Gift from God. Life is a gift from God. The left is the party. Look, I'm going to say this. You're going to have to deal with it. You're just going to have to deal with it. The left is very much like Islam, except they're liars about it. The fact of the matter is that the party of death, we are the party of life, supposedly. Conservatives are the party of life. Left is party of death. Liberals are the party of death. Progressive party of death. To progress is to live. To stay static or regress is to die. Isn't that ironic? They call themselves progressives. Party of death. I'm going to tell you something that you've just got to deal with. You've got to deal with this. The left is so similar. This is why they support Muslims. This is why Islam. Oh, we can't be rude to Islam. We can't be rude to Muslims. We can't do it. We can't do that. Look, I don't be rude to anybody. But if it's in your uh, founding documents, and the thing that you swear to, and you bow to five times a day, you do all these things that you're supposed to kill me, cut my head off, rape my women, and then kill them. the left loves them. They're the party. They're the the religious, political and military ideology of Islam of death. That's what they're about. They're the culture of death. They're the cult of death. And so are liberals. So how do we as followers of, of, of Christ followers of the way? How do we balance this hope and responsibility? Well, we start by praying for one another. Right? Were you listening? Finally, brothers, pray for us that the Lord's message may spread rapidly and receive honor, just as it did with you. And that we may be rescued from wicked and evil people, for not everyone has trust. What two things did Shaul ask for? He said, said, pray for us. Pray for us. And pray that the word will have free course, that it will spread rapidly. Pray for the spread of the gospel, not just around the world but in our home, in our street, in our community, in our state nation, come on in your county, in your township, in your village, you look, you you've, you, you, you want to be able to talk about God? You want to talk about Christ? If you want to do it freely, my friends, if you want to do it freely, go ahead. Go ahead and abdicate, 25 million. Go ahead and abdicate. Say, no, you know what? I'm Christian and, and in my conscience, I'm I'm voting on conscience. I'm hitting the eject button. No, I'm not doing it. Well, guess what? You won't have that freedom. You won't have the freedom to pray for the spread of the gospel around the world, in your home, on the street, in your community, in your village, county, state, or nation. You won't have it. Look, I'm going to tell you something. I understand where this comes from. We We get discouraged waiting for Christ. We do. We get discouraged when we see few people. We don't see the big crusades that we used to see. Billy Graham and and, and, and several others travel around the United States doing, doing huge crusades and, and thousands and thousands and thousands of people being saved, we don't see it anymore. Doesn't mean it's not happening, but it means we're not seeing it. Billy Graham Evangelistic Association used to be able to put on television, prime time, Saturday night, and I know because I watched countless ones. Commercial-free, the whole crusade, commercial-free. There's music before the sermon, the sermon, and then the invitation, and you'd see thousands and thousands of people coming. I remember hearing Billy Graham, and I have tears in my eyes when I think about it right now. I remember this. I was already saved, saved at five years old. I was still a sinner. I still am a sinner today. But I'm telling you, I remember this. I remember him saying, don't wait. Don't wait to come to Jesus. Don't wait to place your faith in Christ. You step out of that aisle. Those folks won't mind. Friends that are saved, take your friend by the hand and bring them. Don't let embarrassment keep you from coming by the thousands. He said, don't wait. You might not have tomorrow. Look, we get discouraged waiting for Christ. We get discouraged when we look around the television. You don't see crusades on television anymore. You, you have to search and search and search to find them. We get discouraged when we see the condition of not only our country, but the world. And you know what? We see fewer and fewer people turning their lives over to Christ. Why? I'll tell you why. There's a few, few reasons why. And these aren't. this isn't an exhaustive list, but this is some of the reasons. The postmodern Western evangelical church. The postmodern Western evangelical church, I'm telling you, is in many respects poison. Most modern Western Evangelical Church has grown lazy and weak and afraid, and it has gone into full retreat. The media, and largely and decidedly liberal and anti-God, anti-faith, anti-Christian, anti-Jewish media. And you know what? We were silent. We were silent while the, the anti-faith, anti-Christian, anti-Jewish, anti-God media led our religious freedom right into the gas chambers. We were silent. We had our lips pursed and our hands pressed together, but we were silent as each of our freedoms died while we watched. I'll tell you what else, too. Those that unapologetically oppose us. I said it before. Hillary Clinton has no shame. She's not hiding things. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. She she destroyed those emails. Why? Because she doesn't want you to see them because you'll see the real her. Here's the crazy thing, and this is what I knew before. You could put them up on billboards and the left will not turn from their candidate because it's what they do. I've said it before, I'll say it again. We have thousands of enemies, most of all ourselves. We're the biggest circular firing squad I've ever seen in my life. The left, they have one enemy, us. Those that unapologetically oppose us or call for our capitulation or death, call for our surrender to their faith, or, or that will, listen, Islam, they if you don't do that, they are going to saw your head from your body. They're going to drown you in acid. They're going to stone you, throw you from buildings, blow you up with cowardly bombs or crash planes into buildings. How do they do it? How does Islam do it? Because the left says, hey, they're great. They're fine. Let's let more of them in our country. They do it through our passivity. Well, we don't want to be mean. You know, that's not who America is. America is loving and kind and sweet. And we we are a nation of immigrants. No, we're not. No, we're not. That's the biggest lie you've ever faced in your life. Lots of people were born here. Their parents were born here. Their grandparents were born here. Their great grandparents were born here. Come on, stop with that big lie. Don't fall for that. That's not who we are in America. We're passive, we're weak, and we've lost the republic. Christians lost the republic through our ever-growing softness, through our unwillingness to fight until he comes. On the other hand, when the gospel is openly advancing outside the view of the people to whom they are to serve, we are encouraged and reminded that Christ is alive. Praise God, he's alive. Despite my sinful nature, he's alive. And because he's alive in the empty tomb and the empty cross, I am redeemed and so can you too be redeemed. We see people, the most unlikely of people, folks, they defy all odds. They come to their whole life is just a mess. Their their whole life is a mess and they and and and, and you know they're they're alcoholic and they're drug addicts and they're 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 torn up over pornography and maybe they've got anger and they they're screaming and yelling all the time and fighting and hurting. And then and then somebody says man come on with me. Let me show you something. Let me show you what God did in my life. And this person you, th- you look at you say, man, God, God saved them. How in the world? How in the world? The most unlikely of people, they defy all odds. They step out of the aisle, or the, or, the, or, the, or the, you're at work and you tell them about your Jesus. You, you use regular language. You just say, hey, man, I don't have it all figured out. You know, you work with me these past ten years. So you know how messed up I can be but I'm telling you, I I have an assurance of heaven because of God. I have an assurance that he will come alongside of me and help me. I have a whole bunch of people who aren't all hypocrites who will help me. It's changed my life. It can change yours. And that person, that most unlikely of people, listen, I I preached in a uh, church one time. And if you you want to talk about unlikely of people, I preached and preached and preached, preached my guts out. I didn't have any notes. Uh, I can't remember what the circumstances were, but I had no notes. I had no prepared sermon. I just preached what God laid on my heart. And, and the, and, uh, the person said, don't have a invitation. We don't, we don't do invitations. here. We don't ask people to come forward. And guys, God told me, this is what I'm going to do. So good luck. They said, well, good luck to you. You're going to be embarrassed. Secretary of deacons came forward. He said, you know what? I've never placed my faith in Christ. I played a good game. I made it look good. I look good as a Christian, but you know what? It's not true. I have never actually placed my faith in Christ. And he did it right then and there with me. If if, if for nothing else, my friends, isn't, isn't that worth our fighting within the collision of faith and politics until he comes? You say, what in the world does that have to do with politics? It has everything to do with politics. Your whole life has to do with politics. I don't care who you are. I don't care what you do. Your life is ruled by politics, and you don't even know it. I'm going to say this: when the Iron Curtain came down, the first efforts at evangelism—listen, well, you go in and tell a people that have been enslaved for for so long—the harvest is rich. That's why pastors, if they want to build a TV career or 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 a uh, a big big you know big stadium career, stadium preaching career, they go to Africa. They go to places where these people's life expectancy is 34 years old. They've never heard a positive thing in their life. And you you offer to buy them food. You get people to contribute to buy sacks of food. And you say, hey, we're going to give you food. going to give you water. going to give you clothing. You give away a lot of stuff. And you say, hey, there's going to be a crusade right here. After the crusade, we're going to give you food. We're going to give you all these things. It's going to be great. You're going to hear a great message. And these people hear a message of hope. They're going to live to be 34 years old, most likely. And so what happens? They, they, they come by the thousands. And then they place their faith in Christ by the thousands. Why? Because they want that food. They want that hope. I'm not saying that all of them are like that, because I know lots of people who go to Africa and places like it, and they preach, and people come to Christ. They don't offer them anything. They don't offer them anything but the truth, anything but hope. But there, there's some lot of tricky business that's going on. I'm telling you right now, and it's sickening to me. But I'm going to tell you that when, when the wall. When the wall came down, the Berlin Wall came down. I'm going to remind you, by the way, it's often said that the Berlin Wall fell. It didn't fall. Berlin Wall didn't fall. This was not a passive event. It didn't simply decay into collapse. The Berlin Wall didn't fall. It was torn down by people who finally decided to fight. And you know what? We can't be there. Uh, This is just how it is. We can't be there proximally. I'll just tell you this. If I could be in Minnesota right now, hanging with my buddy, Chris, if I could be there right now, uh, as he as he's in his uh, next fight of cancer, you know, I mean, he's been through it. You've heard me pray. He's been on the show. I'd be there approximately. I can't. So what do I do? I pray. I send him a text message. I say, Hey brother, I'm praying for you. This is what I'm praying for right now. I just want you to know. And I love you. I love you. You're a great man. Great man of God. You're a great father, great husband, and, and just a, gr- a great friend. If I can't be there proximally, then I pray. We're to pray for the success of freedom and liberty. We're to pray for the protection of others. Now, who do we pray for in our day? You know, as we go through the day, we're supposed to pray for the protection of others. But who do we apply this type of prayer? And why do they need it? Well, first thing comes to our mind are pastors, teachers, church workers, missionaries, right? In dangerous places all around the world. How about Christians and government? Man, you want to talk about an inhospitable a, a hostile workplace how about christians in the military how about how about uh chaplains in the military christian chaplains cannot mention jesus they cannot they cannot proselytize they cannot go to people and say hey would you like to place your faith in christ but muslims can muslims can recruit all they want yeah we have muslim chaplains did you know that did you all know that <laughs> a lot of people. a lot of people chaplains cannot pray in the name of Jesus in the United States military. Well, how about praying for the protection of others? How about the innocent? How about the unborn? You say, man, you won't get off this this uh, this abortion thing. This abortion thing is not a policy. it's human beings. They are people. I'm going to tell you, Prayer is vital. Real prayer, not fake prayer. Not talk how you pray, how you talk. Real, authentic prayer. It's vital to creating that inner expectation, as well as an outer balanced lifestyle. This is what Paul or Shaul was talking about in the, in this letter to the Thessalonians. He's he's saying, "Hey, you got to be balanced out now." I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you this even further, just for fun. Individual or personal prayer is needed. Absolutely. You've got to be able to pray on your own by yourself. You've got to be willing to go before God, not only within the confines of corporate worship, prayer, church, prayer at a big gathering, but but you've got to be brave enough to go before God in the privacy and vulnerability of your own home. You've got to be willing to do it with people you wouldn't normally pray with. Private and individual prayer, you've got to be brave enough. One-on-one. One-on-one. What's the Bible say about it? Seek the Lord and, and his strength, seek his face, con- face continually. Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. The spirit of, indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. That's Matthew 26, 41. And he spake a parable unto them to this end that men ought always to pray and not to faint. Luke 18:1. Hitherto have ye asked nothing in my name. Ask and ye shall receive that your joy may be full. That's John 16:24. Pray without ceasing. 1 Thessalonians five seventeen. Look, I'm going to tell you, corporate or church-wide prayer, absolutely needed. Church-wide prayer, corporate prayer, group prayer, absolutely needed. Small group prayer, absolutely needed. But but you know what you can't do. You cannot count on the prayer at, that's going on in church that somebody else is leading. That some you just bow your head and do everything. Maybe hit Facebook real quick while nobody's looking. You know, you got your phone down there, but you hit the Facebook and those people. Well, I'm just checking to see, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. That ain't prayer, folks. You can't count on the prayer of the church as your prayer. You can't count on the prayers of the elders on your behalf as your prayer. It's not enough. I've said it before. It's not enough. Look, but that doesn't negate the fervent prayers of the church. I don't want you to think that. Matthew 18, 19. And again, I say it unto you, that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything, that they shall ask and it shall be done for them of my Father, which is in heaven. Acts 1, goes this way. These, these all continue with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Yeshua and his brethren, and with his brethren, Acts 12, 12. And when he had considered the thing, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. You can't forget the power in group prayer. You can't forget the power of praying. You can't have balance. People say to me, I'm falling apart, Sean. All this political stuff is just crushing me. It's crushing me. And I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I'm about to lose my mind. Then you got to stay in prayer alone and in your church and with groups. You got to pray. But you know what else you have to do? Prayer is useless and a waste if you don't trust in God's faithfulness. And nobody, nobody. Nobody look, you you can't you you if you don't believe in God and you don't believe fully in God and his faithfulness, what's you praying for? You're just wasting your breath. In verse three of the, the, the passage in Thessalonians, I started with he what was he supremely confident in? Shaul or Paul? He was confident in God's faithfulness. It look, if you take God's faithfulness out of the picture, you say, Well, God's not faithful, you doubt it. Is there any way for us to succeed in the Christian life at all? No. No, there's not. If God's faithfulness is working for us, is there any way for us to fail in the Christian life? No, there's no way for us to fail. You believe in God's faithfulness. You're faithful in him. You believe you, you, you don't have hesitant faith. You say, Hey, all the way. I'm going to believe until I'm going to fight until I'm going to work until. That great Hebrews. I talk about, uh, uh, this in one of my sermons, um, Hebrews 11 and 12, faith, you know, by faith. All these amazing, great things happen by faith. What are some things that happen? You know, I have to take you back to it. Deliverance of Israel through the Red Sea. It looked hopelessness. Hopelessness, man. That's all that was there, hopeless. But God did it. He was faithful. How about the deliverance of Elijah on Mount Carmel? He thought he's all alone, but God was faithful. I love the story of Samson, his last stand against the Philistines. He thought he had ruined everything, right? He's blinded, his hair's all cut. He did the wrong thing. He thought it's over. He said, Man, I messed it all up. God help me one more time. God help me one more time. I gotta make this thing right. God was faithful. How about the two disciples on the road to Emmaus? They thought their hopes were dashed with Jesus' death. Hey, he's gone. He's dead. We thought this he was gonna be king. We're going to be part of the kingdom, but he's dead. We saw him die. We watched him. He's dead. He's gone. We saw lots of people tell us he's gone. He's dead. Put in the grave. Their hopes were dashed, but God was faithful. Look, no matter how long it seems to take, you have to, no look, no matter how bleak, this, this looks bleak to us. The situation, If 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 the situation in the United States of America doesn't look bleak to you, you're not looking. No matter how bleak it looks to us, no matter how bleak the outlook is. God's faithfulness is absolute. Deuteronomy 7, 9, one of my favorite verses. Know therefore that the Lord thy God, he is God, the faithful God, which keepeth covenant and mercy with them that love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. Hebrews 10, 23, let us hold fast the profession of our faith, our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. How about Psalm 36, 5? Thy mercy, O Lord, is in the heavens and thy faithfulness reacheth Unto the clouds, but you know what you've got to do. Having faith is great, but you got to obey what we've been taught. Concerning obedience, Shaul or Paul—he what was his confidence? Well, it certainly wasn't in the Thessalonians; it was in God. Look, I deal with this too. I struggle with this. I told you I'm a, I'm a jacked-up dude. Hurts, habits and hang-ups got lots of them. But the only way I can obey, the ability to obey comes from God. Our, our faithful obedience, it fuels our inner expectation and hope. Our faithful obedience, folks, it demonstrates an outward discipline lifestyle. Listen, you can't be a totally and completely undisciplined person and claim to be a Christian. You can't. I'm sorry to tell you, you. Discipline is a demonstration of your faithfulness. You can't. I'm sorry, folks. You just can't do it. I'd love to tell you, I would love to tell you that there's a way to do it, but there's not, there's not, man. You could could look at this a thousand different ways and you could tell yourself, oh, well, it's all good. It's all good. Right? I do whatever. Ain't no way I can obey. Ain't no way I can do what I'm supposed to do. Can't do it. I don't have any discipline. Yeah, you know, I'm always late. (laughs) Well, you know, I never get the task done. (laughs) Well, yeah, I have an important job, but I don't ever, you know, sometimes I really mess up and I just kind of laugh it off because, you know, can't be perfect. You know, perfectionism is is a sin too. You know, we'll say that. My friends. We gotta we gotta be disciplined. We can't we can't fold every time times get tough. We're not gonna have freedom and liberty very much longer if we don't learn to get tough. If we don't learn to be disciplined. We're not gonna do it. We will absolutely fail. I'm sorry to tell you, we'll absolutely fail. There, there's no doubt about it in my mind, we will absolutely fail if we don't have some discipline. We gain that discipline through faithful obedience. You say, well, why do I have to demonstrate an outward disciplined lifestyle? Folks don't follow people that are undisciplined. Hey, I'm gonna lead you on the, uh, I'm the, I'm gonna lead you the battle here. Uh, what are you gonna lead us in battle with? You don't have a gun or a sword. Oh, <laughs> daggone it. I left that back at the tent. In fact, I'm not even sure if I left it at the tent. I might have left it in my car. You know what, I'm not quite sure. I think I haven't cleaned that in a while, so I don't think it really works. So I just—I think I just left it back there, just for—don't tell anybody. Huh? Well, um, where's your belt to your uniform? Oh yeah, yeah, I lost that. Hmm, I lost my belt. How'd you lose your belt? I don't know. You know how it is. You know sometimes you just lose stuff. And nobody follows anybody like that. Come on, you know better than that. You know that's not how it works. You got to be disciplined. I'm not saying all the time. Look, sometimes you're going to fail. I, I fail all the time, but you keep working. We fall down, we get up. Christians are just sinners that we get up. Don't fall prey. Don't fall prey. You got to learn love and patience. Sometimes you got to learn a little bit of love and patience for yourself, sometimes you got to learn love and patience for your neighbors and your friends for the unlovely but I'm going to tell you something patience is absolutely not tantamount to laziness or apathy or atrophy we got to improve our, our patience we got to learn to love like God loves what God's love is unconditional but God commendeth his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners Christ died for us Romans 5 eight. we need to learn like look uh, let me read that I don't want you to get mixed up here but God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners. In other words, we still, we were sinners. Even while we we're sinners, God died for us. Christ Christ died for God, sent his son Christ to die for us. Romans 5.8. We need to learn to love God like he loves us. And that's my biggest problem. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. Deuteronomy 6.5. Come on, friends. Come on that's tough. You say, well, that's not that tough. Really? You love your family? You love that aunt or uncle getting all up on your nerves? Right? You know, you know what I'm talking about. You know, the uncle getting all up on your nerves. Driving you crazy got to love them. Look, I'm not saying you got to be all up in their business all the time. No, far from it. Far from it. Don't let anybody tell you that. That's a lie. It's absolutely a lie. Don't let anybody tell you that that you've got to be like that for some reason. It's a flat out lie. Don't be around toxic people. Nobody's commanding you that. But you know what? When it's time to do the right thing, you got to do the right thing. Love ye therefore the stranger, for ye were strangers in the land of Egypt, Deuteronomy 10:19. And the second is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Oh, that's difficult. Matthew 22:39. 39. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one to another. John 13:35. It's our biggest family. Romans 12:9. Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good. But how in the world do we learn to love like God? One of the biggest problems I think that we've run into as a nation is this. As a nation, we have said, hey, you know what? We're not going to stick together as as, as as neighbors and friends and fellow conservatives and fellow believers. We're going to let Christians come under attack from the government. Right? The Christian bakers, the Christian florists. We're going to let them come under attack, have everything taken away. We're just, it's loving us. Loving, right? It's the, no greater love than, than a brother hath for to lay down his life for another. I mean, you've got to be kidding me, man. If we're not willing to come alongside their bakers and, and florists and they're having their homes taken away, their business taken away because they didn't want to do the flowers for a gay wedding and they didn't want to do bake a cake. Come on now. And we had Christians posting on their Facebook pages, just bake the darn cake. Just bake the cake. Show them love through baking them the cake. Religious freedom, folks. We don't stand for it for them. We don't stand for it for anybody. We as Christians, we didn't love each other like God loves us because we didn't get with each other. We didn't get next to each other. We would say, Hey, I'm right next to you, brother. I'm not gonna let it happen to you. I'm gonna fight with you. We go down, we're going down together. We didn't do it. How embarrassing. How do we learn to love like God? By experience. We got to know God got to know him personally. The only way you can have experience is what you got to experience God, you can't, you can't know God's love, you can't love like him. If you don't know him personally. But you know what you got to watch by observation, you can see how Christ loved others and how others who know him love, you know, people like that. People that just love man, they love by observation, you can see how he loved others. You can see how other people who, you know, love Christ, love, watch it, be around those people. And you know what, by doing it over and over by repetition, you got to do it. You got to do it over and over. Can't stop. Can't quit. Can't give up. You say, well, I've been fighting for liberty and freedom and all this time. And, and, and I'm just tired. I'm worn out. Well, I hope you like slavery. Then, unless you, look, you think you don't have time to rest now. You don't have, you become a slave. You wait and see. You wait and see. Got to keep after it. Got to keep after Got to keep praying. And you got to keep working. Work until he comes. Learn patience. Learn patience like Christ's patience. Look, there's, we have, we have a directive. We've got to wait for Christ's return. We've got to work until he comes. We have to emulate the patience of Yeshua himself, Jesus Christ. Look, while we're waiting for his return, we got to be patient. we got to work hard. We can't stop. We know of Christ's patience with us. We know there's an example. There's an example. We've got it. Dealing with Peter after his denial. Dealing with the disciples after they argued, I'm the greatest. No, you're the greatest. I'm the greatest. No, you're the greatest. I'm the greatest. No, I'm the greatest. Back and forth. Meanwhile, Yeshua was looking at them going, Hey, any of you have any idea what's going to happen to me in a little bit here? Any of you? No, they didn't because they were too busy arguing over, but he, but he was faithful, he was patient with them. How about, how about Pilate's arrogance when he said he had the power to kill him? Are you kidding me? It's a good thing I'm not Pilate. I would look him right in the eye if I was, yet, or, I'm sorry, If it's a good thing I wasn't Yeshua, echoing around the world. I, if I was Yeshua, I would, I would look Pilate right in the eye and say, you gotta be kidding me, dude. Let me set a little bit of you on fire. Let you see what that feels like see your feet i'm gonna make them disappear i'll set a flame so 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 hot you'll wish it burnt you up who do you think you are you don't have the power to kill me i i have the power i am the father of power i'm gonna go and i'm gonna redeem the whole world yeah we gotta be patient we gotta we gotta wait we gotta wait, but we gotta work while we wait, right? We gotta work while we wait, while we while we wait. Some of the believers back in the Thessalonians, they thought, hey, Christ, Christ's gonna come. He's gonna come right now. He's gonna come right in the corner. I hear this from people. I'm telling you, I've heard this from when I was a little kid. Oh, you can tell the Lord's just right around the corner. You always heard that. Oh, the Lord is close. Time we in the end times. Of course, we're in the end times. We're all in the end times. We've been in the end times since He ascended to heaven. We've all been in the end times. But we're to work until he comes. Some of these believers thought, you yeah, know, he's coming. I've got an inner expectation of it. what they do? They just stood around looking up at the sky, waiting for him to come, not doing anything. There was no outward lifestyle. They didn't, they weren't busy working, they were busy looking, waiting. Acts 1, 9 through 11. And when he had spoken these things while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel. means they were angels. Which also said, "Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Yeshua, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. Why do people misunderstand this? They misunderstand the word. They're not in the word. you got to be in the word all the time. Look, I've had 11 years of postgraduate education. And I can tell you, I am in the word all the time. I learn stuff new every day. My good buddy, Dave Frazier, teaches me things. His dad was one of my professors uh, at, at Masters, teaches me things. I learn stuff every day. Dr. Fry teaches me things. Dr. Moen teaches me things. Rabbi Gorlick teaches me things. So many teach me things I learn and learn and learn and learn. Can't misunderstand the word you got to understand you got to dig in deep. Can't read it like you're reading a magazine in the doctor's office just hoping to not be afraid. So you're trying to do something to get your mind off things. No, you got to read it like you mean it. There's a lot of false teachers out there, folks, and you got to know the difference between false and real. Well, what was the correction for this problem? Shaul or Paul? He said this. The Apostle Paul got to get to work. Follow my example. You got to get to work. Well, how long did we work, Paul? They didn't call him that. If they called him Paul, he'd be like, uh, "My name is Shaul." So Shaul's example was work until he comes. Somebody doesn't want to work. Somebody says, "Hey, I'm not. I'm not in it to win it. I'm sick of it." These people that say that I'm not going to vote, these 25 million Christians, I'm not going to vote. You know what? i got to vote my conscience. i got to be a conscience voter here, and I'm not going to vote. Have nothing to do with them. Don't be friends with them. They're casting you into slavery. You say, well, that's not right, Dr. Sean. Brotherly love? Hey, biggest butt whooping you ever got. Biggest butt whooping you ever got probably from one of your brothers. If you have brothers, you got a butt woken. And let me tell you something. If you go out into the world and you haven't been beat up by your brother, he's in for a real rude awakening, isn't he? Have nothing to do with saying, so get to work. Get to work, this, this isn't over yet. You gotta get to work. I'm gonna tell you something about these, these uh, voting machines. Unfortunately, you know we have, we have fallen for this. We've slept through and we've abdicated. And, and now George Soros, Satan spawn himself has a great friend of the Clintons, by the way, great friend of Barack Obama. He owns three of the companies that make these machines. He owns the companies. (coughs) Smarten up, folks. Watch your machine. If it has a printout possible, ask for a printout. Now, there's been folks saying, take a picture, take your smartphone in there and take a picture. Of your, of your vote. Now, that, where we vote, it's just a little computerized thing. You press the X. That's all you do. It's just a touchpad. You don't get any record. doesn't print anything out. But, you know, um, these people say, well, take a picture of it. And before you hit vote, you flip that lever that confirms your votes. Take a picture of it. And then if there's anything that pops up that's weird, you go in and show them. Hey, look, here's, here's the picture. I just took this picture. Guess what you've done? You've committed a federal crime. <laughs> You've committed a federal crime. Well, I can't tell you to break the law, but don't take the picture and put the picture on Facebook and think that's fighting. If you see something irregular, guess what you got to do? You got to get in it to win it. You got to fight, man. You can't, don't back down. Don't put it on Facebook and say, well, I fought for election integrity. Don't back down. Come on. Well, what's the consequence of the problem? When, when folks aren't involved in working for the Lord, the next step is we got to criticize those who, who, you know, this is what happens. They begin to criticize us. We're working for the Lord. What about Nehemiah? Nehemiah, man, he had, he, we get made fun of all the time, but you better call out the folks in our idle hands or the devil's workshop. This this political correctness is sometimes we call bullying what it's not. Sometimes bullying is calling us. you mean, you talk mean to me. No, sometimes telling the truth isn't talking mean to you. Sometimes Telling the truth is telling the truth, and sometimes the truth is tough. You got to tell the truth, the hard truth. Try to tell the truth in love, but listen, folks. Sometimes you got to call stuff how it is. You got to throw the throw the flag on lies, and not just go on Facebook and whine about it. Sometimes you just need to hold on. How about that picture of that cat hanging from the tree limb? Right, it's got like one claw hanging in there, and you hang in there, baby. Sometimes you got to. You got to hang on. The rescue's close. Keep working. Hang on. Don't quit. Sometimes we get discouraged. We get weary. We don't feel like praying. We don't feel like believing. We don't feel like fighting. You can't give up. You can't quit. Sometimes we don't trust. Sometimes we simply don't obey. Sometimes we don't love like we should, and our patience is shot. Sometimes we wonder, why am I even doing this? I'm the only one working. And at those times, you just need to hold on. Don't quit. Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Galatians 6, 9, Job 23, 11. My foot hath held his steps. His way have I kept and not declined. Second Corinthians 5, 11. We know that when the tent which houses us here on earth is torn down, we have a permanent building from God, a building not made of human hands to house us in heaven. For in this tent, the earthly body, we groan with desire to have around us the home from heaven that will be ours. With this around us, we will not be found naked. Yes. While we are in this body, grown with a sense of being oppressed, it is not so much. It is not so much that we want to take something off, but rather put something on over it. It's God who's prepared us for this very thing. And as a pledge, he has given us his spirit. Listen, folks. So we're always to be confident. We know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from our home with the Lord. For we live by trust, not by what we see. We are confident then and would much prefer to leave our home in the body and come from our home from the Lord. Listen, folks. We all must appear before the Messiah's court of judgment, where everyone will receive his good or bad consequences, what he did while he was in the body. So who and and what does God know you to be? Does God know you to be a loser of the republic? Or are you a lion? Who does God know you to be? Are you a loser of the republic? Or are you a lion of the faith? What do we do until he comes? Look, folks, we got to pray. We got to trust, we got to obey. We got to learn to love and be patient. We got to work, we got to fight, and we can't quit fighting. We have, folks, we've got to decide, resolve, and stand. Hashtag dissolve. Re- decide, resolve, and stand. We can't quit. We can't quit. We don't, we don't have that choice, folks. We've got to work until he comes. Pray, trust, obey, learn, love, be patient, work. Fight and don't quit. Put that hashtag today on your social media. Decide. Hashtag decide, resolve, and stand. At the ninja pastor. Folks, we've got that's the that's the answer. That's the way. Be bold. Don't be afraid. We we were not supposed to be timid. Not timid at all. We can't be afraid. For God is on our side. We need to start living like it. We need to decide, resolve, and stand. God bless you.
0: Join us next time for the collision of faith and politics. And please follow this show at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash the Ninja Pastor. And follow Dr. Sean on Twitter at the Ninja Pastor and on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash God in Country Radio and at www.drSeanGreener.com. In the meantime, Dr. Sean will be fighting for you and for this great country. Thank you for joining in this fight.